Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to the Dating Prep Podcast, a podcast that is designed to help you date yourself and a love of your life forever. We are officially here in our book series in the purpose of freedom, how to untie soul ties and uproot strongholds. If you're watching this for the first time and you want to be a part of this book series, feel free to go get your book today at Amazon.com. Just simply search Josh Rezzi because the next few weeks we're going to be talking about up, untying soul ties and uprooting strongholds. So a lot of people has already bought their books and they're joining me live now. And if you want to be a part of this book series with the exercises that are in the book and the prayers and the verses that are in the book to help you really understand what a soul tie and stronghold is with the intentions and the, the mission of becoming totally free from that, then go ahead and join us now. We don't, I don't know if it's going to be 10 weeks, 20 weeks. We're just going to follow the spirit of God in this. And uh, we're going to see what happens from it. So if you're watching this live, do me a big favor and share this broadcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Share this broadcast to out, to, out to as many people as possible. If you're watching later and you like, I know a lot of people that needs this content, feel free to share this broadcast as well. Also want to say thank you to all the people who's listening. Now, what's up, Rachel? What's all around? What's up, Autumn? What's up, uh, favorite one? If, you, if you're watching this later or listening later, whether on YouTube, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, when a fish say thank you guys for listening and watching, and feel free to comment and let me know what you're getting um, from this uh, Soul Ties Stronghold uh, book series that we're going to be going through as we talk about uh, prepping ourselves to not only date ourselves, but the love of our life forever with God in the midst. But let's get right into our points. Uh, we're going to go through some points. What's up, everybody? We're going to go through some points. And then we're going to get into some scriptures and then want to read maybe three or four pages from the book. So if you have your books, get your books ready. We're going to be going through pages 11 through 15, <clears throat> talking about uh, well, we'll get all we'll get into all that later. But let's get right into today's theme. Today's theme is, is emotional freedom possible? Is emotional, what's up, London? Is emotional freedom possible? We're going to be talking about the formula of freedom. That is chapter one of my book, The Purpose of Freedom. Let's get right into it. The problem. Many people want to be free, but don't know how to be free. Many people want to be free, but are unaware of how to be free. They are bound to unnecessary people and things, and their purposes are affected by it. Many people want to be free. They just don't know how to be free. There's a lot of believers out there, a lot of individuals out there who are just ignorant, who just naive, who just don't know really about the different um, um, corridors of life and the different doors that leads to destruction and a lot of enticement that leads to the energy being sucked out of them. And there's a lot of people that's looking um, um, to be free, but just don't know how to. And the whole purpose of this series, <clears throat> not even series, I'm not calling it series, but this opportunity to of understanding is for us to really become free, that we can through Christ be free, that we can be free emotionally, but there are some things that we have to do and cooperate with to ensure that freedom is what it is. Let's keep going. It says, many people want to be free, but don't know how to be free. There are a lot of people out there that's bound to unnecessary people and things, and their purposes are being affected by the enemies after your purpose. He doesn't want you to be purposeful. He doesn't want you to be purpose-minded. Therefore, he wants you to partake in things that affect your purpose, causing you to become ineffective when it comes to the things of God. Let's get to some um, other points. It says, I put here emotional rain. Listen to me, emotional rain. 
emotional dominance, emotional control, emotional reign, or emotional freedom begins with emotional responsibility. And emotional responsibility begins with an emotional reasoning. Hear me closely. These are all new points. It's not in my book. God gave me this fresh today. Emotional reign or emotional freedom begins with emotional responsibility. And emotional responsibility begins with emotional reasoning. Now, what does that mean? What's up, everybody? Thank you guys so much for coming in. Emotional reign. Let me go to the next point that kind of elaborates this. Let's say, let's look, let's look at this. Emotions are the glue that sticks us to people, places, and products. Emotions are the glue that sticks us to people, places, and products. Let's go to the point above it, emotional reign. <clears throat> God wants us to be emotionally free, emotionally untangled, emotionally controlled. The enemy has designed this world system to cause us to be emotionally connected to people, places, and products that, that determines our mood. He knows if I can create a culture that is emotional or overly emotionalized, then I can easily supplement those emotions with mental triggers. That if I can cause the mind to be mentally um, biased or mentally uh, uh, aggressive or mentally connected, then if I can cause an emotional connection due to the lack of a mind, due, due to the mind not being renewed, then all I got to do is supplement in that person's mind triggers that bursts up the flame of emotions, causing there to be emotional unreasoning, the causing the person to be so emotional that they don't even give themselves times to reason, they don't even give themselves time to, uh, to control themselves. And what you do is now every time they pass that person, every time they pass that place, every time around that product, there's an emotional glue, an emotional connection to that thing, causing soul ties that cause that person to be tied to that thing, typically in a lot of people's situations for a lifetime. Now, emotional reign or emotional freedom or emotional control or emotional stability begins with emotional responsibility. It is our responsibility um, to have our emotions under control. It is our responsibility to cooperate with the mental renewal process that comes through the word of God. It's our responsibility to make sure that we do not engage in things that will cause us to be emotionally connected, causing us to be emotionally attached for a long period of time. And a lot of people are not able to respond to certain experience of life. So what happens is the enemy loves to prey on our immaturity because he knows that most people are, are too immature or not able to respond to the pressures, to the consequences, to the needs of certain things. And if I can get them to awaken love before it's time, to awaken pursuits before their time, to awaken things before they are mature to manage them, then all I have to do is give a, a inkling of the eye, to give a, a glimpse of hope, to give a glimpse of, of, of salvation through this person, through this product or through this place then that person will begin to try to respond to the pressures or needs of that thing. That's why the enemy, the Bible talks about don't awaken love before it's time. When a person awakens love before it's time and they have sex with a person or they experience in sexual activity before their body is mature and their mind is mature or they're not even 
in a in a spiritual uh, uh, um, awareness of the proper timing of that thing, then that person, when they awaken that thing, that body, their body begins to register without them even knowing that that person is their sole source of sexual provision. That this person is the person that you're supposed to be gathering this 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 sexual intimacy from forever. And if you're too immature to respond to that, and you don't have the ability to respond to the emotions that come with that, to the <clears throat> mental confusion that comes with that, to, to anything that comes with that, then all of a sudden now you're on these emotional roller coasters drastically affected because you engage into something immaturely. And a lot of people are responding to things uh, through choices, through, through false uh, hopes, and through uh, tailored temptations that's causing them to be bound for a long period of time. How many young people, how many people, period, are emotionally drastically affected by things and people and places that if they would have had the right mindset or the right understanding in the word of God, they would have never engaged with it. There's some people right now who have sex at 18 and it still ain't the same, ain't, can't, are still um, drastically affected by by thirty. There was people who engage in certain mature things, like whether it's uh, um, alcohol or drugs or, or 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 any type of substances, and they're still drastically connected or affected by today. The enemy knows that I don't want you in control of your emotions. I want my triggers to be in control, so that no matter where you go. Then I can, whether it's Twitter fingers or trigger fingers, I can use people who trigger you and I can use social media to trigger these emotions because you overly connected to them because you tried to respond to something that you were not emotionally mature to handle or emotionally connected to something that God never intended for you and I to be a part of. Emotional reign or emotional freedom begins with emotional responsibility. The reason why many people are not emotionally free right now because they blame everybody else for their emotional dysfunction. The reason why a lot of people are not emotionally free is because they're they're blaming everybody else for their emotional dysfunction. The moment you take responsibility in a realm or area of your life, then you are able or ready to mature. Now you're able and ready to grow because the moment you blame somebody else, the more you create borders around yourself that limits your opportunity to expand. And a lot of people are, are blaming everybody else. But they were the one that made the choice. They were the ones that slept with him. They were the ones that slept with her. They were the ones that smoked that, drink that, did that, hung out with those friends, shot that shot, did all these different things. They were the one. But when you get to a point where you say, you know what? I take full responsibility for what I did. Then there were that that the, the moment you take responsibility genuinely for what you did is the moment that real freedom begins. And in order for us to have emotional responsibility, we have to have emotional reasoning. There has to be the renewal of the mind. There has to be emotional reasoning, emotional intelligence, emotional understanding. There has to be some type of, of in-syncness with the spirit of God, where your spirit is lined up with his spirit and your soul is lined up with your spirit that's following his spirit and your body is, 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 is in line with the whole union. And when you're able to reason with different things and understand emotions, like the reason why many of us are where we are, we don't we don't really understand what emotions are. <clears throat> we think emotions are facts. 
Emotions are not facts. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are just the indicator of a present mood. That if something happens to me, there's there's a natural response that your emotions give, whether positive or negative. So when I'm at a when I'm when I'm hungry and I see a fresh pastry or I see a a, a meal that I enjoy. There are natural without even asking. I don't ask my emotions. How do I feel about this? There are based upon my connection with that product. There's a, 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 a urge or emotional positive emotion that arise. If I see someone that has, let's say if someone has hurt me yesterday or, or in a moment and I look at them and I haven't forgiven what they hurt with my heart, then that per then my body's going to naturally indicate to me that anger or competitiveness is going to naturally send the emotional trigger up because of, of uh, due to the lack of my um, emotional reasoning. But those who have emotional reasoning and give themselves time to reason before they become emotional are people that are able through discipline to look at a pastry and say, you know what, I am in a, in a process of, of disciplining myself to lose weight. So it doesn't matter how I feel about that pastry. The facts of this matter trumps the feelings of this matter. It doesn't matter what this person has done to me because I have forgiven them. And because I understand what the word of God says about uh, me uh, loving my enemies and turn the other cheek or whatever. I can't, I don't, I want to allow my emotions to run dominant in that moment. But because we don't have emotional reasoning and the reason why, uh, and because we don't take the time to process a particular situation, then when we are encountering a person, a place, or a product, then we, since we are an emotional culture, those emotions jump up. And because we don't have emotional reasoning, then we allow those emotions to run dominant, keeping us from forgiving, keeping us from being disciplined, keeping us from being free, and keeping us from being ready for the next level. Emotions, emotional reign begins with emotional responsibility. And emotional responsibility begins with emotional reasoning. Emotions are the glue that sticks us to people, places, and products. I want to say thank you guys who's joining in now. I really appreciate it. Share this broadcast to many people as possible. I really do believe these points are, are, are important <clears throat> for us to understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Emotions are the glue that sticks us to people, places, and products. Let's keep going. An emotional reaction. Hear me, an emotional reaction proves there is some kind of an emotional connection, right? Good, 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 uh, good question. We'll get into some verses real soon that's going to help answer that question for you. An emotional reaction, Philippians 4 is a good place to start. An emotional reaction proves there is some kind of an emotional connection. If the enemy can get us mentally intrigued, mentally immature, mentally infringed or violated, then he can get us perversely emotionally connected to anything and anyone. Hear me closely. An emotional reaction, whether positive or negative, proves there is some kind of emotional connection. Like I always say, and I said in my book, where there's a tug, there's a tie. Where there's a tug, there's a tie. <clears throat> no matter positive or negative. If you truly love God, there's a tug there. You love him. If you love the things of the world, the things of the world will tug at you. That if it comes across your senses, your eyes, and whatever that uh, that allows you to become aware of that thing or person, then if there's a tug, that means there's a tie there. And not all ties are bad, but a lot of people have are tied to good things with, with a lot of knots. They are tied to bad things unaware. 
If the enemy, the satanic world system and the Satan himself can get us globally, collectively, mentally intrigued. Oh, wow. That's why the Bible says love not the world. Don't even be intrigued by it. Because intrigue, intrigue leads to entrapment. Intrigue leads to uh, uh, being bound. He wants us mentally intrigued. He wants us to become mentally intrigued by something like like Eve, mentally intrigued with the idea of 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 being like God. Uh, the prodigal son, mentally intrigued with the idea of, of of having his inheritance early. He wants us to be mentally intrigued by good and bad things, good things prematurely or improperly, or to bad things, right? He wants us mentally intrigued. He wants to entertain our minds to cause us to be mentally intrigued by a person, place, or product, hoping that that thing or advertising that that thing will fully save them or help them. He wants us mentally immature. He wants us to be in a mental immature state where we're not able to endure sound doctrine. The world system right now is designed to ensure that your mind does not have the capacity to understand fundamental truths, fundamental doctrines that it takes longer than 60 seconds to understand. It takes longer than 15 seconds to understand. It takes longer than 10 minutes to understand. He knows that if I can get social media in these different time slots and, and, and church culture to be but in certain time slots, if I can get people uh, uh, um, uh, mentally uh, unable to process beyond 15 seconds from Instagram uh, stories, uh, 60 seconds from Instagram videos, two and a half minutes on Twitter videos, if I can get them stifled within the limits of maybe nine to 10 minutes max on YouTube or 30 minute sermons, then when it's time to really understand biblical truths and godly attributes and what the word of God says about fundamental things that is that is to, that is that is designed to ensure that a believer grows and matures then that person won't be able to last to understand so they could be able to walk in it and this world system is creating a people who rather heat for themselves teachers because their ears are itching for something that can be that can satisfy their lust and their desires in a short time span Versus <clears throat> sitting myself down, taking the necessary time to understand what the word of the what the word of God says and what the will of the Lord is for my specific life. And that's what's happening in our culture. So all people care about is moments of pleasure versus versus um, a life, uh, a life of fulfillment. They care more about the 20 minutes of sex than they do about the 20 years of legacy and impact through or 20 or 40 years of impact. They care more about what this, this, this food would give them as far as emotional eating, what this person would do for them for their, their emotional uh, peace versus having uh, uh, their thirst completely quenched in Jesus and their rest in him. But so many people, have been tricked into becoming mo mentally intrigued and becoming mentally immature or mentally infringed or violated, meaning abuse, whether it's through molestation, whether it's through rape, whether it's through some kind of uh, infringement, whether it's some kind of force, whether it's some kind of, 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 of spiritual uh, pastoral manipulation, whether it's through a relational manipulation that I infringed this upon you when you was at your weakest, and now I'm affecting you down the line. If the enemy can get us mentally intrigued, immature, or mentally infringed, violated, then he can get us perversely, 
emotionally connected to anything or anyone. He wants us perversely connected. He even wants us perversely connected to the idea of God, perversely connected to the idea of Christianity, uh, perversely connected to good things. It's nothing wrong with having a husband. There's nothing wrong with having a wife. But if I can have you perversely connected by you creating perverse, uh, um, if I can have you have perverse attachments, if I can get you perversely uh, thinking about unrealistic expectations, perversely thinking about the idea of marriage, but not putting the practices to ensure that you're able. I think my sister's watching. Thanks, sis. Uh, um, or having you have these per perverse mindsets that's causing you to become uh, 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 mentally uh, uh, developing mental unrealistic expectations. Then when you do get married, now you have this perverse connected to a person causing them stress and strain. But he knows that if I can get you perverse, emotionally perversely connected to anything or anyone, then I got you for a period of time. Because like our problem says, many people do not know how to untie themselves from soul ties or to uproot strongholds, to cast down vain imaginations, to think on things that are lovely and pure. They're not able to do it. <clears throat> now, let's keep going. Emotional connections are conceived by these eight things. Emotional connections are conceived by these few things. They're conceived by our entertainment. Emotional connections begin with, or bad emotional connections begin with loving or being entertained by this world. The Bible says, love not the world. <clears throat> Neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that's in the world, this is 1 John 2, I believe. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And this form of love is passing away. And if you have that type of interest in the world and you're being entertained by the world, that's why you got to watch what you watch. You got to watch what you listen to. Because if you always watching and listening through streams that are worldly and carnal, then you yourself will begin to formulate these carnal perspectives, carnal way of thinking, carnal way of understanding. And if you if you are more entertained by the things of the world and those things bring you more joy than the word of God, then something is wrong. Those who are truly converted and are cooperative with the sanctification work of God, the word of God is more of a delectable a delicacy than the, than the, than the multiple uh, uh, toxic sweet streams of the world. You got to watch what entertains you. If you break the word down, it's entertainment. It's entering the detained. They utilize different methods to get you, uh, your senses connected and your mind wide open. So the agenda of the message by which you're watching gets inside of you. So they use subtle techniques, whether it's subtle uh, uh, subtle subtle lust or subtle greed, subtle messages, subtle agenda, and they utilize colors and sound and humor and suspense to get you connected and utilize that emotional intriguingness to open you up for detaining you. You ever watch TV like, man, I ain't blinked? Like you watching TV, you like, wow, my mouth is wide open and my eyes are looking straight. You in a trance. That's why you got to watch what you watch, because those things will cause you to get into a trance, unlocking your subconscious, un uh, uh, delivering the message, hiding the message within your subconscious. And then all of a sudden, now you walk in this thing out in your conscious life. Now you walk in this thing out in your real world because you allow those things you entertain to, to enter that, in that was entertaining to you to deposit. <clears throat> It's agenda, it's message. Now you walk in a certain type of way, you eat in a certain type of way, you think in a certain type of way, you live in a certain type of way. That's why even in the Christian circles, you got to be very careful who you allow to entertain you. That's why churches become more entertainment 
than it has educational. It's become more entertaining than it has developing you. Now, all of a sudden, church is more entertaining. Now, all of a sudden, you are wanting to dress like your pastor, think like your pastor. You always talk about your pastor when you talk about Jesus. You get so con connected to the idea of church. Now you're serving. You never served before. You're under some kind of trance. And not all churches are demonic, but there are certain churches who's Who's, who are supported by this world system that is leading the charge of entertaining worship. So if I entertain you and don't talk about sin and don't talk about holiness and don't talk about the love of God in a, in a, in a balanced way and not giving you the whole counsel of God, then if you eat from one side, if, you, if all you eat is sweets, you can't expect yourself to be spiritually nourished. And so what happens is entertaining becomes the forefront and not education, not edifying, not encouragement, not growth. You see what I'm saying? And when you get caught up in being entertained or detained by the world system and allow its message to enter you, then all of a sudden you'll find yourself emotionally connected to doctrines of devil, devils connected to uh, a demonic agendas through entertainment. That's why I don't listen to certain stuff. I don't watch certain stuff, no matter how dope the MC is, no matter how dope the show is, no matter how dope the reviews are. I got to watch for my soul because my soul is a sponge. And anytime I engage in something... It, even subtly, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden with me, I got to watch what I watch because then all of a sudden now my drive is a, is a carnal drive. My, 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 my progress towards success is a carnal one. If I listen to all these motivational videos all the time, all the time, all the time from people that are not uh, uh, Christocentric in their motivation in the changing of the world for the advancement of God's kingdom, if I continue to watch those things over and over again, then I'm going to be waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Nothing wrong with that, but that'll become my sole source. Instead of waking up four in the morning, five in the morning to get in my word and to pray in tongues and grow in the things of God. Now I'm working up, waking up, trying to get about my life to be a part of a 1% to make all this money. And then all of a sudden at the end of that journey, I'm like, am I even doing this for God? Or has my whole ambition been solely, and we, we act like that our ambition, I'm going to talk about this some other time, that we act like that our ambitions are godly and genuine. But if you unpack the layers, you will see your ambitions was never about God's kingdom. It was about yours. Emotional connections are conceived or begins with what entertains us. Number two, they're conceived <clears throat> by our engagements. Friendships, I think there's engagements, right? Engagements with people. Watch who you engage with because it'll determine the gauge. It'll determine how far you go in life. Be very careful who you allow to be your friends, who you surround yourself with, because a lot of emotional connections to other things begins from peer pressure, begins from the engagements of people groups and cliques and engagements with other people. Be very careful who your friends are. <clears throat> be very careful where you go often. Be very careful the groups you engage in because then those that think tank, that 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 group of individuals, that brainstorming, that think tank will determine how you think, whether you think uh, they'll cause your thinking to tank. You better very, be very careful with your, who your think tank or your think tank of people are because it will determine whether your thinking soars or it tanks. Watch who you engage with because a lot of emotional connections, that's right, poetic streams, you have to discern people. Jesus talked about, the Bible alludes to the fact that Jesus did not, um, oh, what's the scripture? He says he didn't um, engage himself with, with people because he knew, he, he okay, he didn't entrust himself, that was the word. 
They talk about how Jesus didn't entrust himself to people because he knew their hearts. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that, that, that was the sole source of his discernment is in us. But we're so lonely. We hate being alone. We hate God's company. We don't like it. We don't say it, but we're not content in his company to the point where I just want a friend. I just want a husband. I just want a wife. I just want to be around certain people. And you begin to entrust your yourself to people and begin engaging with them, but you're not even allowing your spirit to discern the hearts of those people. Are those people's hearts with you? The Bible says in Proverbs, be very careful when you sit before kings, even though he has allowed a, 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 a great meal to be in front of you, even though his, he had gave you uh, his best calf, his best cattle, his best food to eat, you eat his food, but his heart is not with you. Then all of a sudden, now you build these friendships and they're suddenly suggesting things in your mind of ways to go in life. And that's not safe. Who are the people that's around you? Give me one second. Who are the people that's around you? Watch out because there's going to be a lot of people that's going to try to get close to you because you got great fruit and you have great shade, but they're not there to tend the tree. Watch who you engage with because then you start having emotional connections to Judas's. You have emotional connections to betrayers, emotional. And those betray. And, and, and let's be honest. Most of the people that betray us did not have intentions in the beginning to betray you. But because you no longer offer what they what they joined them, because you no longer offer what they need from you. That all of a sudden they leave you or if they find a better stream or a better tree or a bigger tree with bigger shade and bigger fruit, then they leave you. And that's why Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's easy to forgive betrayers if you have that mindset knowing, Father, forgive them. I forgive them because they don't know what they was doing. <clears throat> a kid came to my office today, um, was upset. Um, because there was a girl in his class that was saying that he was uh, a punk and all that kind of stuff. And he came into my office very upset. And he was like, man, Mr. Ezzy, I wanted to hit her. I said, man, don't hit no girl. No matter no matter what battle, no matter what situation it is, don't hit a woman. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not going to win that battle, right? And so what happens is <clears throat> he began to, he was so mad that he was crying. I was like, yo, bro, it's all right. <laughs> don't. Don't become emotionally connected. That's not even your close friend. That's not even somebody to even be concerned with. And a lot of people are crying because people left. And I think she used to be one of his friends. I said, look, man, people are fickle. You got to understand people are not going to always be there for you. There was your friend the first two, three semesters or first three quarters. And now they want to trip on, hey, man, you got to bounce. It's okay. Not everybody's there to be your friend. I had to help him unpack that whole process because he got so hurt. And I was like, man, I understand. I've been there. We've all been there. But we have to understand that not everybody who follow us, hearts are with us. So any entertainment is bad or is there a balance? There is a balance, you're right. Good question. Not all entertainment is bad, but you have to understand what's the fruit, what's the agenda of the entertainment. So you understand the things that are in front of us, there's layers to them, right? You never, you never get caught up on the initial connection to an entertainment. The show's cool. The show is dope. You have to be able to trust your discernment. I can't tell you what shows because I don't know all shows. I can't tell you what songs because I don't know all songs. But I know the spirit of God knows the heart behind every song, every show. And if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you feel like there's like when I would, like I said, about a long time ago, when I used to ride with my sisters, my sisters would ride with me and they will play the local radio station, right? The song didn't sound bad, 
with words or nothing, but something in my spirit was just like something ain't right. And a lot of people was like, well, the words ain't bad. Sometimes the devil's in the beat, the the the, the attack, the agenda's in the beat. The agendas in the words, like you got to make sure you also got to ask it. What was the heart of the person that said it? Now, if I say, oh, I love you. And then I say, I love you. The tone of it, the the agenda of it, the the heart of it is what's going to determine whether that was genuine or 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 forced. Like you got to you. The spirit knows the heart of the person that's creating the show and the song. The first two or three episodes may not be bad, but the trap is to get you so connected to it that by episode five, there's a seed planted. Everything in life is about planting seeds in your mind for financial gain, for agendas being pushed. See what I'm saying? And if and, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that's going to help you understand the balance of it all. But if you are a person, I'm not saying you, but if, if if we become people who are overly consumed with being entertained, that we rather occupy the silent spaces of our day with some form of entertainment, then when it comes to actually discerning, we don't even give ourselves time to discern because all we care about is uh, uh this song, this show, even certain sermons. You got to be able to be like the Bereans and be like, does this sermon, does this message from this preacher line up with the word of God? If you're not biblically literate, if you're not biblically astute, if you're not biblically uh, a biblically sound, then you will accept all sermons as true. But what I do is I chew to me, spit out the bones. I, I allow the, the equity that I built throughout my week in the word of God to help me to become mentally and biblically sound to receive or to reject something that I may hear on YouTube, something I may hear from a pulpit or wherever, because I, just because you're a man of God, doesn't mean you're God. You see what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, even with, with what I say, I'm not saying take everything I say to the bank, but what I say is take everything I say to the Bible. If you take everything I say to the Bible and lines up, chew that. Anything that I say don't learn line with the word of God, spit that stuff out. And most people think that, um, that certain people have arrived. Nobody has arrived. You got to watch what songs you listen to, what shows you watch, and what sermons you hear. And you got to be seasoned in the word of God so that you're able to discern, is this from God or not? And the Holy Spirit, in time, in time will tell you right or wrong. You don't got to wait five days and fast four days to find out, should I listen to this song? The Holy Spirit, based upon your type of relationship with him, based upon either you engage or grieve him, will determine spot on, spot on, spot on. You in front of a person, the Holy Spirit will tell you in real time. No, the Holy Spirit will tell you, turn it off real time. That's right. God will let the, through this spirit, will, will convict you, will show you, will enlighten you, will reveal to you because he is the one that loves you more than anything in this world. And if you trust him, you won't find yourself tangled up in certain things. Emotional connections are conceived by our environments. Not all environments you should give access to your internal environment. A lot of people become emotionally connected to things because of the environments they was brought up in. I tell these kids often, if you can think above your environment, you'll eventually live above that environment. I also tell people, man, don't be a, a, a thermometer, be a thermostat. Don't, don't tell the temperature, change the temperature. And when you understand that, you will be able to say, just because I'm in a work environment that is not godly or holy, 
You'll know how to navigate it. You'll know how to be gentle as a dove, but wise as a serpent. You'll know how to be loving to all people. You'll know how uh, uh, to really genuinely engage with people that may not believe what you believe. But if you become a weak person and allow that weak environment to weaken you throughout your weeks, then by you get to your weeks end, you have been weak end, right? But what you, if you know for a fact that greater is he that's in you than, than the environment <clears throat> that you are facing in, yes, I'll be doing the Q&A &A videos real soon. But when you know that you are the environment, that you hold the climate of God inside of you, that you can be the thermostat, that the, a soft answer could turn away the raft in a room, that a, that, a, that a gentle smile could turn away the depression in the room, that you, through who you are in Christ and by you spending your time with God and allowing the joy to build because you are in the presence of God, then when you walk into that environment, you change the environment. The environment is impacted by you, not you by the environment. But since we are not really strong in who we are in God, we walk into these environments we step into these environments and we, these environments start affecting us that since I want to be in that climate, I want to be in that weather. So, you know, how people is they, they, they move from the north to the south. They move from the north to the west. I, I don't really like this cold environment. So I want to move. I want to be a part of that weather where it's always 75 degrees and sunny. So what happens is people move to weathers, move to climates that 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 that, that is best for their carnality. And what happens is I want to be around this people group. If I could just be at that table, if I could just be around him, if I could just be around her, if I can have him as my mentor, her as my mentor, if I can be in that club, in that at that building, at that church, at that place, you don't know what you don't know what's really being sprayed above you in those secular environments. If I could just get to LA, if I could just get to New York, if I could just get to Chicago, if I can just get to Miami, if I could just get to this place, that place, that place, that place. You've been looking at brochures and the brochures always show you palm trees and sunny skies. But when you get there, you realize it's not always what it's crapped up to be. Trust where God has planted you because the, the weather where you are will determine the fruit you bear and the strength to be able to weather any weather. People want to leave tough terrain, tough climates, not knowing that that's the kind of soil that makes you strong. Emotional connections are conceived by holistic eating habits. Holistic eating habits. I mean, how my question is, how well do you eat spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically? What foods do you eat daily, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually? Holistic eating habits affects a lot of us, <clears throat> builds emotional connections. All he has to do is, have, is, is to bring on all four plates genetically modified foods, genetically modified sermons, genetically modified thoughts, genetically modified um, um, emotions, genetically modified, uh, genetically modified triggers, genetically modified uh, 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 foods. Like, did you actually eat tangibly? He knows if I can genetically modify what is good for you, that I can affect the way you think, the way you feel, the way you eat, and the way you serve God. And so what happens is what, what we, we are, what we eat, we are, what we eat spiritually. We are, what we are, what we eat mentally. We are, what we eat emotionally. We are, what we eat physically. And you have to look at your plate. What are you eating daily? Who are the people? Have you even audited those preachers that you listen to? 
Have you even taken one of their sermons and went to the word of God to see if they line up? Are you a part of some branded message agenda? It is crazy how a lot of uh, sermons are so branded that they don't speak, they don't preach the wholeness of God. It's branded wrath of God. It's branded prosperity. It's branded um, uh, grace. It's branded righteousness. It's branded uh, um, um, whatever, whatever. Now, these all these things together are not bad, individually not bad, but when they are, are preached extremely or in the extreme way, then it, it then it eliminates the other side and it eliminates the balance. So you got to audit who are these people I'm listening to? Do you do do I even make time to listen to the to the, to the Holy Spirit? You see what I'm saying? Because if you if you watch what you eat spiritually, you'll be like, you know what? I can't I can't eat from that that person's restaurant no more. Because if you look at their sanctification score, not their sanitation score, but you see their sanctification score, the whole spirit gonna be like, they're 82. Would if would you eat at a restaurant that has an 82 on it? An 82 san, uh, uh, sanitation score? Then why are we listening to preachers who got an 84 sanitation score? A, a 89 sanitation sanctification score, right? You gotta watch what you eat mentally. The thoughts you eat from, the thought thoughts are seeds. You gotta watch what you eat here. Watch what you eat here, and watch what you eat physically, because how you eat physically will determine how you think, will determine how you feel, will determine how you uh, serve God. All these things have to be uh, uh, eventually done well, so that you can be well. Let's keep going for time's sake. Emotional connections are conceived by emptiness. Because I'm empty, I'm not full on life. I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm hurting, Josh. I know. Some of you guys right now, y'all so hurt. It's hard to even think full of life. It's hard to even be full of life. The enemy knows if I can get you the most empty, I can fill you up with what I want to fill you with. So what he do it does is I'm going to empty you of God. I'm going to empty of you for your hunger and thirst. I'm going to empty you through life experience. I'm going to empty you through what you eat. I'm going to empty you. And then I'm going to fill you up with suicidal thoughts. I'm going to fill you up with depression. I'm going to fill you up with loneliness. I'm going to fill you up with greed. I'm going to fill you up with uh, vanity. I'm going to fill you up with all these different things. And you will be living life according to being full of the world versus being full of purpose and life in the things of God. Emotional connections are conceived by the eye and the eyes. And when I say by the eye and the eyes, I ain't trying to get all deep, right? The eye is your perspective. The Bible talks about if your eye be dark. And let's say if your eyes are darkened, it says if your eye is darkened, your eye represents your perspective. It, it, it's, it's representing of the way you think. If your perspective is dark, then your whole body is dark. If your, if your, if your perspective, uh, if your perspectives about marriage is dark, then your marriage will be dark. If your perspectives about sex is dark, then your lifestyle choices sexually will be dark. If your mind is dark when it comes to, if your eye is dark or your perspectives are dark about any area of life, then that area of your life will be dark, darkened. So you got to understand that most of our emotional connections or some of them come through our perspectives and our eyes. Your inner eye determines your what you connect with your external eyes. So the Bible says when you look, what does branding, what is branded preaching? Branded preaching is when a person only preaches one thing. And that thing is the lens by which they preach everything else, right? No, no problem, Crystal. So let's say prosperity. Prosperity is in the Bible. It's, it's not a bad thing, right? But when a person only preaches prosperity, <clears throat> then they'll take in the beginning 
in the beginning, uh, God created the earth. God um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, and they'll they'll find a way. They'll find a way to make that a prosperity message. If a person is branded a grace preacher, then they'll 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 utilize their whole agenda is to uh, sell this message, sell this agenda. If it's all about the wrath of God, that's all they'll do is try to sell that agenda. But they talk about God's wrath, but they don't balance it with God's love. They talk about God's grace, but they don't balance it with God's mercy and 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 judgment, right? They they talk real heavy about prosperity, but they don't really talk about God's pruning. You can't talk about prosperity without pruning. You can't talk about God's grace without talking about um, the relational uh, 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 aspects of us and God and how he doesn't forgive your sins going forward. He, he He's a God as a realist. If God didn't, if God forgets your sins forward, then why does he chasten those whom he loved? Why does he discipline and reprove if he doesn't see sin? You have to, if you're going to preach grace, you got to preach um, um, the sinful habits that affects people's lives. Because if you don't preach sin, then it will give people by default the clearance to sin, whether you whether you say it or not. People say, well, I didn't say for them that they sin. No, if you're you dealing with babes, if you tell a baby, yo, do this, don't do that, or do this, do this, do this, that baby ain't gonna have enough sense in their mind to go and research the other side to ensure there's balance. But if you only preach one side, babe, the babes that follow those people will be swung over here, but they don't hear the other side that helps balances them out. Right. The whole counsel of God, the whole word of God is what uh, helps people. I wrote on my Facebook that I said a balanced diet leads to a balanced life. If you if you understand the whole counsel of God, then you will be malnourished spiritually and then you will have real consequences for not being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Let's keep going. Emotional connections are conceived by our enemies, by the enemy, by his words and whatever. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Emotional effects. Man, I've been going. I ain't even going to be able to get to what I want to get to. I ain't even got to the book yet. Emotional effects. Enemy tactics. If you want a specific effect, send a specific cause. You hear me? If you want a specific effect, Send a specific cause. Everything in life is cause and effect. God was the cause that birthed the effect of this world. Um, an action leads to another action, right? A cause and effect. Certain causes produces certain effects. Now, <clears throat> what are some causes? Self-causes, societal causes, specific individual causes, setup causes, and seasonal causes, right? Right? There's one, two, three, four, five types of causes. Self-cause. I just do this. If if I eat this, these are certain effects because I chose it. Self-cause. This disease was self-cause. It wasn't God. It wasn't a devil. It was self-cause because I decided to eat this. Societal causes are when we 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 become so uh, consumed with culture, consumed with society that we are too immature or not disciplined enough to discern. And those societal causes produces certain type of carnal effects, right? Uh, significant individuals. There are certain people like that are significant that no matter what, they affected us. Fathers, mothers, people that was in our home when we grew up, brothers, siblings, uncles, aunts, 
um, uh, key relationships that we chose to be in, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wives, there's significant causes. If a husband hits a woman, it's going to cause certain type of effects. If a woman talks down to a man, her husband, it's going to cause certain type of effects. If your father wasn't there in your life, certain type of effects. If your mother wasn't there, certain type of effects, depending on your maturity. <clears throat> Setup causes are tailored temptations. There were setup causes. The devil says, the enemy says, I have a strategic trap for this specific person for their downfall. There are setup causes out of nowhere. A setup person, that person's heart's not even with you, but that demon's using that person against you. Setup causes that place where you weren't even supposed to go to. He brought that woman at the right time, got you falling in love with that person. Now that woman's a Jezebel in your life. Setup causes, seasonal causes, certain seasons cause a certain type of effect. Like you cannot expect life to always be spring and summer because there's no spring and summer without winter and fall. If there's no fall, <clears throat> if there's no death, if there's no purification, if there's no death and fall, no purification in winter, then there's no flowers in spring and no harvest in summer. You have to have seasons. But so many of us are dealing with the effects of these causes in a negative way. Now, what are some of the effects? Of these negative causes, if some of these causes were, if these causes were done negative, brokenness, depression, suicide, pride, unforgiveness, low self-esteem, condemnation, fear and stagnation, rebellion and recklessness, and bad relationships. The enemy wants certain effects out of your life. All I got to do is make them self-calls, societal calls, specific individual calls. If I can cause them to be um, through setups because you are completely ignorant of his devices or seasonal where you're just like, I'm uprooting myself out this season. Forget it. Right <clears throat> now, let's get you some scriptures. Oh, OK. These effects are due to the types of freedoms we pursue now. We're going to go into my book because there are two types of freedoms. I'm not going to go through all the points today for time's sake, but there are two types of freedoms. There's pure freedom and then there's perverted freedom. Two types of freedom. Now let's go to the scriptures. <clears throat> if you have your books, the purpose of freedom, you have your books, turn with me to page 11 and we'll start there. But, um... <clears throat> Let's see what scripture I want to start with. Um, I love Psalm 1611. Actually, let's go to page 11. If you got your books, we're going to do some reading real quick. And for those who's like, man, I really want to be a part of this. I really want to really understand uh, Soul Tide. It's a book that I wrote last year and it's on Amazon now. And it talks about in detail and in length how to untie soul ties. And uproot strong. We're going to go page by page, some pages, definitely verse by verse, every verse. And we have some prayers here that will kind of help you formulate the right perspective, right? And some um, um, activities in this book to help you too. Now, let's go to page 11. I'm going to read and then we're going to get into some scriptures and then we're going to go. Page 11, the formula to freedom. Let us start with the place of freedom. <clears throat> Community with God was the whole purpose for of our creation. Community with God was the whole purpose of our creation. His presence is where joy and freedom lies. The number one thing that God desired for him and his creation was for community and for us to enhance, build, and protect that community. God wanted community with us. That was the whole purpose. He wanted to be in community with his, with his creation. And our job 
is to make sure that we enhance, build, and protect that community, protect that relationship, to protect that engagement. A lot of people, a lot of us, we we are not protecting. We're not. We're not. Uh, what page number? Page eleven. Page eleven. The big page. The middle paragraph. We're not doing our part to enhance that community. But like our relationships are investments. Like like <clears throat> if I do not invest in my wife, if I don't invest in my marriage, my marriage will die. If I don't take care of 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 the garden, the garden will grow weeds. You see what I'm saying? Our relationships are investments. And me, what book is the book that I wrote? The Purpose of Freedom. We're doing a book study. You can get this book now. On Amazon, like like we gotta enhance it intentionally. We have to build upon it intentionally. I don't want the same relationship that I have with God at seventeen today at thirty three. I want my relationship with God to build. I want to go from milk to meat. I want to go from elementary to deeper understanding. I want to go from just reckless living to uh, uh, living through revelation, like living living through real connection. I don't want to be at the bottom of the mountain and and the other people on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. I want to be up there where he shows me all of himself, right? The whole purpose of our essence was for us to engage with our creator. So that our engagement with our creator will lead us to creating and inspire others to create. There's, there's the effect. If I enhance, build, and protect that community, protect that community is not allowing sinful habits or sinful practices or sinful people to lure me away from that community. If I enhance, build upon, and protect that community, then it will lead me to create from my purpose, for my purpose, and, and become inspired and also inspiring others to create and, and grow in their relationship with God. That is why I tell people you have to know your purpose because the more you engage in your purpose, the less likely you will fall into sin. In order to win, you must be too productive to sin. Now, what do I mean by that? In order to win in life, if I'm productive in the things of God, if I'm productive in the word of God, if I'm productive in my relationship with God, I don't really have room to practice sin. Productivity eliminates the practice of sin. Now, there's going to be sins you do just because you're flawed and because you're growing. If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake because you're going towards maturity. But don't make a mistake based upon um, uh, willful sinning. Idle time leads to idle hands and an idle mind, which leads to idolatry that leads to so many other things. In order to win, we must be too productive to sin. Productivity and creativity are found in its purest form in the presence of God. Now, why did I say in its purest form? Because you can be productive and creative outside of God. But if you want the purest of it, the purest form of it, it's only in the presence of God. And that's important. Because there's a bunch of people that's productive. A lot of sinful people are productive. A lot of people that's not in the family of God are productive and creative. But it doesn't mean they're operating in the purest form of productivity and in the purest form of creativity. Let's keep going. The Bible says in Psalm 16, and I love it. Let's go there. Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, David said, you make known to me the path of life. Mm. Ooh, that's the type. That's that's what I want. That's what we should want. That Father, you make known to me the path of life, like not the paths of life, the path of life. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. 
but few will find it because not everybody wants God to make that known to them. Like I want God to make known to me the path of life. And it says in your presence, hear me, in my, in your presence, there is a fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Like we got to understand that in God's presence, there's a fullness of joy. Let's keep going reading because I'm about to, I'm about to preach that text for an hour. And I want to make sure we make sure I, as a preacher, stay on course. The Bible says in Psalm 16, that in his presence, there is a fullness of joy. Being absent from God's presence leads to depression, sadness, and, and pain. My question to you is, are you happy or are you joyful? It's a big difference. Happiness is conditional. Joy is unconditional. You know you really with God when, when the, you know you with God to the point that when conditions change, you don't change. You know you love God and you really are in are content in him that when conditions change, you don't change. That if that person leaves, it affects you because you're human, but you don't change your relationship with God. You keep following him. Most people change up on God when God changes their conditions. And what I mean by conditions, when he begins to strip that idol out of your life, when he begins to remove things out of your life, all of a sudden now you want to change up on God because God changed the conditions. And since he changed the conditions and you're no longer pursuing happiness, now you're sad and depressed. But God is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what conditions I change. As long as I'm still the one that you're connected to, it doesn't matter what you face. You're still going to be all right. Let's keep reading. Being absent from God's presence leads to depression, sadness, and pain. My question to you is, are you happy or are you joyful? Happiness, like you've heard me say many times, is based upon conditions. That if this person is not in my life, if this thing is not in my life, then I am not happy. Or if these things are, I am happy. You see how happiness, the pursuit of it, mess up the people's mind? How many people are unhappy in their singleness Due to the fact that they don't have the conditions of companionship. Because I don't have the conditions of companionship, now I'm upset with you, God. Now I'm upset. I'm not happy. But God's like, I'm still here. I'm still with you. But most people have lived their whole singleness unhappy that when they get to marriage, they're still unhappy <laughs> because they're trying to modify the conditions of marriage but never consulted the creator of marriage. Is he going joy? says that it doesn't matter what I have and it doesn't matter what I don't have. I am full of joy because I know in whom I believe that you can change my conditions. That's right. God is enough. He is enough. He's more than enough. You know why he's more than enough? Because this stage he's enough, but he's enough for the next stage. Then in the next stage, because he's in more than enough. It says, joy says that it doesn't matter what I have or don't have. I am full of joy because I know in whom I believe. When you know God as a person and you are developing that community with him, enhancing, building, and protecting it, then that place of freedom will be your go-to place for you to refuel so that when life takes away your energy or when you give it, you will always be refueled by God. I always got to have a connection to the battery pack. That's the Holy Spirit that's always charged. 
I cannot spend my life grieving him and spend my whole life doing what I want and then expect me to be refueled. God is not going to fuel you towards carnal means. He's not going to fuel you into sin. He's not going to give you energy to sin. He's not going to give you energy to idolize. He's not going to give you energy um, to be whatever you want to be. He's not. But when we understand relationship, and this is what people mess up at, people will say, well, how can I be disconnected from God when God through his spirit is inside of me? Most of those people must don't really understand relationships. That if I hurt my wife, our love is disconnected. If I offend my wife, if I hurt my wife and I break my vows and I break my promises and I hurt her, no matter how much she loves me, there's some type of disconnect until we have common interests, until we are on common ground, then there cannot be any come uh, no, no connection or community because there's some type of disconnect. I did something that affected her and I'm expecting her to be gung ho and happy and OK with it. We treat God like our relationship with him is different than our relationship with us. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, you see that God is a relational being. Husband and wife must be one. That's real. God's an emotional, not emotional, but he's a relational being. If at the core of God is committed with his creator, then he also has a righteous jealousy, a righteous concern, a righteous uh, rebuke. He knows because he's in relationship. There's common interests, common goals. There's things that he wants us to do together. We're going to talk more about that later. Let's keep going. That's why the enemy wants you to be separated from God through sin. Separated. People think, well, how can I be separated? No, we're talking about, we're talking about, you ever seen couples get separated? Not on the same page at the moment. Like, like if you go out there and habitually sin and do what you want to do, contrary to what God says, like the prodigal son, it don't change the love of the father. It just says, hey, go do you. You know what I'm saying? You separated yourself from me. Uh, when we are separated from God through sin that we practice knowingly without any care to God, we miss out on opportunity to be refueled and we begin to sink in our pursuits of happiness instead of being content in the presence of God where there is a fullness of joy. We're talking about sinful habits. Like, I know what the word of God says but I'm going to do what I want to do. That separates us from the assignment. Of, how can God, how can God join in or, or continue on with the purpose that he has for you to do? If you, that's like any type of business partnership. If I'm wasting time and you as my business partner trying to be focused, the relationship is affected because we're in a partnership. Like, yo, you tripping. Like, like you're not about your business right now. Like, like you're practicing things that's affecting the business, that's affecting the kingdom. Yo, get yourself together. You're separating yourself from me because I cannot endorse or entangle myself with a person that's willfully sinning. Now, if you're making mistakes because you're growing in maturity, then I can still help you with that. If you're growing and you're learning and you're and you're and you're confessing and you're repenting and you're acknowledging. And you're coming to me just like if I hurt my wife, if I hurt my wife or disappointed her, then it should be because I love her that I go to her and say, do you forgive me? I confess this sin to you. I confess what I did to you was wrong. Will you forgive me for it? I repent from this. I'm going to prove I'm going to turn away from this because I want our relationship to get better. How do we have that in our relationship with people? And if God's relational being, we don't want to do that with him. We got to go to God like, God, my bad on that. My bad, God, God. 
man, Holy Spirit, help me to renew my mind in this area. Show me what the Father really wants me to do in this situation. I confess this sin. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. Like, like there's a reason for that to be evident in our lives so that we can continue on being fueled by joy. Let's keep going. Page 12. It says, it's just like a cell phone service. Just because you have a phone doesn't mean you have access. A payment gives you access. When a person fails to pay their phone bill, it doesn't erase the service of the company. It just erases their connection. When you are faithfully walking with God and trusting in his payment for your sins, you will always remain connected to his network. But when you begin to mismanage your relationship with him and try to pay for a connection or pay for a new service, you will lose connection. The payment lies in what Jesus did 2000 years ago. Since he paid, I can now have a connection with the father. But if I abuse that grace, if I continue to send that grace abounds or do not embrace his payment, I will be disconnected from his supply of creativity and nourishment. Now, if you are a son or daughter of God, the grace that I'm talking about is not the grace for your salvation. God, there's an abundance of grace for your salvation. He's like, man, listen, I know what it's going to take to save your soul. But when it comes to like what requires creativity and nourishment, God ain't going to nourish sinful habits. He's not going to infuse or inspire creative sinful habits. He's just not. And so he's not going to he, he he's not going to just endorse or invest in a person who at the moment is choosing to go whatever way they want to. And that's that analogy about the phone services. If I try, if I don't like Verizon, I can leave Verizon. And but people understand that God is a network. People could be like, you know what? I don't like this service. I don't like God. So what they do is I cancel my payment or whatever, whatever, whatever with this payment. I'm going to go sign up for the world's connection. And what happens is now you got to pay the price. There's no longer a blood covering in that connection. Now you got to pay that bill. So many people, they abuse the grace of their mom and dad. The mom and dad has been paying that bill over and over again. But now that kid want to be all big and grown. The parents go, okay, you go pay your own bill. See how you like that? The same as with God. Oh, you don't trust my payment for your sins? You don't trust the payment that I pay for you? You don't You don't want to be connected to me? Okay, go out there in the world. Do what you want to do and see how life is when you got to pay for favor, when you got to pay your way into opportunities, when you got to do it. There's more sweat in that area. There's more work you got to do in that area. And then that's when you'll turn your behind around and be like, no, 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 I, 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 I'm thankful for the payment that Jesus did for me to ask, to have access to the Father. And I don't even want to live this way again because it separates me because I've experienced what it's like trying to pay my way through life. And so many people, God, I don't want you as my source. And God, like, here's your inheritance. Here's your creativity. It's your, it's your idea now. That's your business now. That's your ministry now. That's your idea now. Here's your inheritance. Here's your inheritance of creativity. Here's your inheritance. This is what you want. You don't want me no more? Well, you can have all the ideas I gave you. Take all the book ideas. Take all the album ideas. Take all the ministry ideas. Take it all. Bam, we cool. Take this inheritance and go do you and see where that takes you. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Let's keep going. Next paragraph, page 12. Everywhere God is, there is freedom and there is joy. We become bound when we disconnect ourselves from that presence. 
Eden was that place. What Adam and Eve did in Eden is what we often do in our lives. Eden in the beginning was the place of freedom. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no lust. There were no fears. Nothing sinful was there because God's presence, hear me, God's presence was the climate. God's presence was the climate. God's presence was the atmosphere. And the moment that Eve and Adam broke covenant, they were no longer fit, fit, fit for Eden's holy climate. See, the thing that keeps us connected is the covenant. And when we break covenant, we disconnect. When we break the agreement, we disconnect. When we begin to engage into certain things, unaware or aware, we begin to disconnect ourselves from the joy we need and the freedom that we need to progress. Eden was that place of freedom. Eve's decision, Adam's decision made them not fit. Thank you for what the second Adam did. Now he, through him, we can now fit in, but it's based upon our faithfulness and our understanding and our growth that helps us to run uh, 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 favorably and and fully in the things of God. Here we go. Many believers fall short because they forget who they are connected to. Never forget who you're connected to. Never forget. Whoever you are connected to will determine the resources you have access to. That's why I'm so thankful that God allowed me to pursue access and not assets. Many people are after God's assets but care less about him as a person. True maturity is when you care about him, when you care more about access than you do assets. That you seek God's heart more than you see his hand. You know you've grown where you don't even care about what's in God's hand. You just care about what's in God's heart. Because if you have God's heart, you have God's hand. But God will never give you what's in his hand if he doesn't trust, if he if he sees that you don't care nothing about him. And many believers would get to a place where we're in this garden, we're in this success, and everything's around us, but we want what we want, and we don't want God anymore. Next paragraph. I'm almost done. Eden was a place of freedom, but this freedom too had restrictions. People want freedom, but they don't know that freedom has restrictions. People look at freedom as unlimited, but God's freedom is limited. God's grace is abundant, but even in its abundance, there are specific limits. The reason why many of us do not understand freedom is because we don't know what it feels like to be truly free. God's grace is abundant, but the Bible says, shall we continue in sin? Because grace abounds, Paul said, God forbid, just because there's abundance of grace, let me let y'all own to something. There's a limit to that grace. Keep playing with God. Keep playing with God. Keep messing around with God. God's a just God. He's just not a gracious uh, uh, Santa Claus. He's a just God. And thing, he likes things done in decency and order. And it's okay. It's he, the same God that loves you, the same God that can correct you, right? The reason why many, okay, here we go. The reason why many of us do not understand freedom is because we don't know what it feels like to be truly free. It takes a certain level of understanding and application to stay free, right? With this freedom, there are restrictions because God told Adam and Eve that you can eat from any tree in this garden, but this one. God is telling you right now, you can enjoy everything in me, through me and with me, but you cannot enjoy certain things in this world. He's like, look, you can enjoy any and everything by me, through me, from me, for me, but you cannot enjoy it without me. He says, 
God is telling you right now, you can enjoy everything in me, through me, and with me, but you cannot enjoy certain things in this world. It is those things that keeps us from enjoying the rest. Listen to me closely. This is one of the most, one of the most powerful sentences in this book. It is sad that 1% of the garden is what we desire versus the abundance of enjoying the 99% of it. The enemy knows that people always care about what's missing than what's magnified. They care more about what's missing than what's right there in their face. It's crazy how many of us will leave the 99 for 1% that they got kicked out of the garden because of one tree when there was probably 99,000 other trees that they can enjoy from. The enemy always wants to corner you to focus on one stipulation, one considered loophole, one little thing, and you got the whole 99 behind you, but you're over there focused on this one little thing. It is sad that 1% of the garden is what we desire versus the abundance of enjoying the 99% of it with God. It is something about the human heart that desires to be like God, whether consciously or subconsciously. Satan does not want God to be in his rightful place in your life. He wants you to try and control it or let him control it. Life is best. Life is peaceful. Life is most joyful when God is in control. And I'm a living witness. I try to control this ministry. I try to control my life. I try to control it. And then I found myself from ditch to ditch to ditch. I found myself hitting one tree to the next tree. I found myself toppled over. That's real. Oh, my wife's in the building. Oh, I got to preach good. I don't know where the wife is here. (laughs) When you want to be in control of your life, you are telling God, I want to be God over my life. Listen to me carefully. You are incapable of making yourself free. It is only in the presence of God that you can be free. It is in the, in the presence of God that there's a fullness of joy and a fullness of freedom. And you must fight for that place. You must maintain that place. You must be in love with that place. Where is that place where you and God can meet regularly? All right? Do you have a place where you and God can meet every single day? Is there a place on your job? Can you be creative in discovering places, whether in your car, at your workplace, before you go to the gym where you can say, I am just going to go here to refuel really quick? Listen, every day I need those pockets of checkpoints. God is everywhere. But there's certain like like, you know, about portals, like there's certain places where, hey, I made that sacred. I made that sacred. So that place is holy. That's a portal. Like right there sometimes with my car, there's a portal in my car. Because when I get in that car seat, I'm connected. My whole house is a portal. You see what I'm saying? Where where it's holy, it's sanctified. No sin gets in here. No habitual practices get in here, which opens up a portal where I'm connected to God because it's made holy by me in the earth realm that says this place is holy. This is where I connect to God. And wherever my feet tread, I'm a walking portal. And wherever I go, I got the spirit in me that connects me. But there are certain places where you can refuel quickly. That's why when you get over, I just got to hurry up and get home. There may be a certain bathroom stall at your job where you make holy. You know what I'm saying? There are certain places on your job, whether whether it's a closet, whether it's an office space, you make it holy so that when you find yourself in a situation, you can run to that place quickly and refuel. Yes, God is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But we've got to make sure we have real checkpoints in our lives that become little places where we can go just in case we get frustrated to 
to fill ourselves up. You notice hospitals and gas stations don't follow people or cars. You notice hospitals and gas stations don't follow people or cars. You must have a place where you go to receive health and fuel. Those two places are designed for you to go to when you are aware that you are in need. Seek the place where God is. I only want to be where God is, period. Because I know that no matter what I'm facing today, no matter what I'm going through, God, right now I'm going to tap into you. In situations, you have one or two places to tap into. When you're going through a situation, either you're going to tap into the world's way of thinking about it, your own way of thinking about it, or you're going to tap into God's presence. God's presence is everywhere, but it's our acknowledgement. No, no, uh, it's our awareness and our acknowledgement of that presence that helps us tap into that presence. Married couples do this all the time. They can be in the same house, but don't talk to each other. Same house, but no connection. Same bed, no connection, right? But if a person, they both choose to be aware of each other and acknowledge each other, then they can tap into each other's presence, right? You don't even have to say a word to be in, in someone's presence, but but the presence of God becomes magnified and felt when there is an awareness of it. God, I know you're with me in this situation. God, I want to slap the mess out of him. But God, I'm aware of your presence right now. God, I want to, some people may say, God, I want to, I really want to do this with her. I really want to do this with him. I really want this really bad. But I'm aware of you. I'm going to make my mind and my heart become aware of you. And then I'm going to acknowledge you, knowing that you are God over this situation, that you are Lord over this situation. I'm, a, I'm aware and I'm acknowledging you. Then you will be able to feel his presence in a deeper way. We're not talking about goosebumps. You'll just be able to, his peace that surpasses all my understanding is keeping my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Because I'm aware and I acknowledge who Christ says and I made him Lord over the situation by my acknowledgement, my awareness. Now I can receive the portal has to, the portal is there's this peace that comes upon you. And it, you may not understand it, but at the moment it is keeping your heart and it's keeping your mind from going crazy. All right. What places could you and God meet regularly? Here's some activity questions. And you, you guys have the book page 13. What places could you and God meet regularly? What are some checkpoint places you and God can meet to refuel outside of your meet, regular meeting place? Let's look at some scriptures real quick. And then we're going to read the perverted place of freedom <clears throat> on page 13. <clears throat> I love 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whatever the spirit of God is, there is freedom, ladies and gentlemen. That When I acknowledge and I'm aware that he's a spirit and I tap my spirit into being uh, uh, attached to the Holy Spirit, I can have freedom in any situation. Let's go to perverted freedom. And then I'm going to read my last scripture, John 8, 31 to 38. Um, that's a very powerful one. I'm going to end on that one. So I should be done in about good 15 more minutes. Perverted freedom. Remember what I said? I said uh, there are two types of freedom, pure freedom or the plate where, where, where God is and perverted freedom. All right. Let's read perverted freedom on page 13 for those who have their books. Let's talk about the perverted freedom. Satan offered Eve and offers every one of us a perverted freedom. 
a freedom that leads to complete separation from God or a temporary connect separation from God. I should have put that there. That leads us from to complete separation for a lot of people who's not saved and temporary separation from God for those who are sons and daughters through backslide or whatever and enslavement to sin. I know God's going. God is going. God can set you free, Uriah. I'm telling you right now, He can. And it's it's a it's a mental choice. You see what I'm saying? That's why what I do stirs your faith. That's what my goal is to do these videos, do these things to stir your faith, and the Holy Spirit takes it from there. You see what I'm saying? <clears throat> Eve thought she was enslaved or bound by God, not knowing that the enemy was trying to tempt her into transferring her dominance and power into his act. Oh, I'm going ahead of myself. Satan at this moment in the text was not the most powerful, right? Satan at this moment in Genesis chapter three was not the most powerful. Adam and Eve were more powerful than him. He, through suggestions, came to Eve and Adam and made them transfer their dominance. God gave them dominion over the earth, <clears throat> over every creeping thing, over everything. God gave them dominance over everything on the earth. And Satan understood that the best way for him to have dominion over the fish, dominion over the water. You think this is crazy. Dominion over the birds, dominion in the air, dominion over the air, dominion over the birds in the air, dominion over land, dominion over people is to get the very person who is holding the keys to that dominance to transfer it over. That's what he did in the beginning. And that's what he does now. Jesus took the keys and gave us the power. But the best way to make a believer or an individual powerless is to have the same conversation with them that he had with Eve. Did God really say? Does the word of God really say? So what he does is he'll say, you know what? You got the power because what Jesus did. For thousands of years, he ran dominant. He had power over the, the birds, the everything, over people. And now he's looking at you like, Jesus took all the power from me, but how can I get you to not even use your power against me? How can I use your power against you? How can I get you to allow me to be powerful over you through these sinful habits? Because the enemy right now, he doesn't have no lethal weapons. He's looking for legal uh, access. <clears throat> he doesn't have no lethal weapons no more. Just like he didn't have no power in Eden, he has no power again, right? So what he says, I have, that's why the Bible says the weapons that are formed against you will not prosper. He doesn't have no lethal weapons against the believer no more. He just has legal rights. He says, I know all I got you to do is breach the contract. All I got to do is have you uh, get in a sinful habit, right? That's right. He wants legal rights from disobedience. That's real. He knows I have no lethal weapons against you. I have nothing I can do against you. All I got to do is go to the contract. Go to the word of God and say, did God really say this? And if you believe and don't, if you don't believe in what God says, then you breach the contract, which then gives him legal right. He knows that most people don't read their word, don't engage with God. Therefore, they don't know the contract. That's why even in a certain country, you don't even know that your rights are being removed because you don't even know your rights. If you don't know your rights, then, they, then the enemy can remove your rights in certain areas because he knows that God knows that if you disobey, if you do certain things, I can now have legal right. If you have certain ornaments and you practice certain occultic things, then I have legal right. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, I have legal right. If you're over there sleeping around and doing all these things perversely, I have legal right. You're breaching the contract. Now, since you 
broke the legal document. Now I have legal access to have power over you. The same conversation that the devil had with Eve when he was powerless is the same conversation that they have, the enemies, the demons have with you to have power again. He doesn't have lethal weapons anymore. He just through us are, has legal rights now. God, your daughter's in this mess. So she gave me legal right. She went to the Ouija board. She slept with him. She did this. He did that. He was, when he went to the tour, the card, the card readers, he's the one that got crystal balls. He got all these different things. He gave me legal right. Right? And God, through his sovereignty, can reverse it all. But if we keep practicing sins and keep doing things during ignorance, that's what the Bible says. Don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Devices, devices, deceptions to give him legal right again. He begins, second paragraph, page 14. He begins to suggest to her that possibly God is trying to keep her from being completely free. He was saying, why is God restricting this tree from you? <laughs> why is he restricting you from the opportunity of knowing good and evil? Why this tree, Eve? He got her to focus on one tree. Why this tree? Why doesn't God want you to be like him? Why is he restricting you from the opportunity of knowing good and evil? Moreover, when she began to process that suggestion, she began to think that God was the slave master. She was beginning to think, why would God keep such valuable information from me? And she thought that if I become equal with God, that I would be completely free that I can create my own world per se, that Adam and myself can create this new way of life disconnected from this slave master God, not knowing that she was taking herself and her husband away from a peaceful place of freedom. Yes, this freedom has restrictions. Yes, this freedom says not to do this or that. And yes, this freedom says that you can have this, but you can't have that. But she thought, I want it all. People who are enslaved to soul ties are people that wanted it all. I want it all. You can't have it all. You can't have it all. You can't have God and adultery. You can't have God and fornication. You can't have God and manipulation. You can't have God and, 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 and evil. You can't have it all. God's, God's freedom has restrictions. Yeah. Like you, you, anyone who has kids, right? I used to get mad. Why my mom won't let me ride my bike all the way around the neighborhood? No, she said, listen, you can ride within this parking lot, but if you cross that light and you go down that street, I'm going to beat your behind. Because as a child, I was like, but my friends get to ride. She's like, as far as me and my house, that's how you going to ride. But I didn't know that she knew the neighborhood better than me and she didn't want me to ride certain places because I thought I just want to be free. I, but but God, there's a hill. But mama, there's a hill down that neighborhood that I can that I can ride my bike and pop. But mama, I want to pop. Mama, I want I want to go up the rip. Mama, I want to fly. <laughs> mama, I want to ride my bike like this. Mama, mama, this parking lot has no hills. Mama, mama, how am I going to go fast? Mama, mama, I don't, mama, why? Why, mama? Mama knows. There's some crazies around there. And she says, I just want you within eyes reach. Because as a child, I thought like a child. When I got older, I'm like, this world crazy. I'm glad my mama didn't have me ride my bike down to where the big hill was. But some of us, we on the edge. <clears throat> we love to live on the edge of God's freedom. 
looking over the fence at everybody else having fun. But God, why? God, can I can I just play over there? God, can I just please, please, God, God, can I? Come on, God. And God's like, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I know things that you don't know. He knew that if you want to be like me, you can't do it like me. You want to be like me, but you can't do it like me. You want to be like me, but you can't do it like me. That's what God is saying. Let's keep going. But she thought I want it all. Sometimes all should not be allocated to all because all takes a whole lot of management. And if you are not God, you are not going to be able to manage what only God can manage. There's certain things that only God can manage. Everybody says, cast your cares on me because you wasn't built for cares, boo-boo. You, your body can't handle that stress. Your body can't handle all those cares. It breaks you. Give it to me because I'm God. I'm able. Because all it takes a whole lot of management. If you are not God, you are not going to be able to manage what only God can manage. And she thought, she thought, she thought, I want to be equal with God and to be able to manage what he manages. Ooh, you can't, you can't match make for yourself. You don't know a man's heart. You don't know that woman's heart, but you want her that bad. You want to be married to him that bad. You want to be emotionally connected to her that bad. None of us are good at matchmaking. Not, no, not one. That's why marriage and relationships should be in the hands of the one that knows the hearts of people. And but God, I want that job. God said, no. If like if I give you that job, it's gonna make it's gonna mess you up. You're right. So many people get the wrong one. That's real. And thought, I want to be equal with God and be able to manage what he manages. But what she failed to realize was that she was getting tricked into giving up her freedom for a perverted freedom. This happens all the time. Why is God saying I can't have sex before marriage? What do you mean I can't do this or that? Instead of trusting in God's original plan, I'm going to go and be free as the prodigal son did. He said, Pops, I want you to give me my inheritance. I want you to give me that is what is owed to me. And what the prodigal son did to the father was let the father know I don't love you. Because when someone asks for their inheritance, it's almost them, it's almost like them asking the wishing of that person's death, seeing that you can get an inheritance after someone dies, right? So this son was saying, I wish you were dead, Pops. God, I wish you was dead in my life. God, you don't know what you're doing. Give me my inheritance, give me what I want, and I want to be free. So this son was saying, I wish you were dead because once you are dead, I can have my inheritance. His demands were so insensitive seeing that his dad had to literally go in. Like people understand this wasn't like a bank. It wasn't like pops just gave like right now you want your inheritance. Here's your money. He had to literally say, well, you, you didn't give me time yet. Right. You didn't give me time. Uh, so now, okay, that means he was around the father a long period of time with that kind of heart, which means the father had to go sell that son's land. He had to go sell that son's cattle. That means that took weeks. So you mean to tell me, I, I, I okay, you can have your inheritance. And that son was sitting there for weeks. Okay, sell that land. Give me the money for that land. You can sell my cattle. And I'm going to wait until you do all of that for my inheritance, right? <clears throat> That his dad to literally go and sell what was owed to his son. See, back in the day, they couldn't just go to the bank and get the money out and get the inheritance over. No, he had to go and sell whatever percentage of land that was due to his son. 
He had to go sell the land and the cattle. Not only did he wish his father was dead, but he was also putting his father in debt. Because now he said, I want you to sell everything that could make you profitable. Land is profitable. Animals are profitable. All these different things are profitable. And he went and took all of that and sold it and gave it to his son. This is a story, though. But think of the implications of the realities that that person really had to do to make this happen. But you notice the father didn't follow the son when he left. He allowed the son to leave trusting in God. The mindset of that son is similar to how many of us think. We oftentimes think that our lives will be better outside of our father's home than in our father's home. However, what we fail to realize, like this son, is that when we are outside of the safety net, outside of that presence and protection, there will always be danger. He also failed to realize that there would be people draining him of his inheritance, draining him of his creativity, putting him in a place far less than where he deserved to the point that when he began to eat from the pig's pen, he began to say that I had it better at my father's house than here. That God sometimes gives you clearance and you think his clearance is confirmational. He gives you clearance so that you can eventually change. Go ahead, take it, because I know if you want to be stubborn, this is the only route that would change the way you see me. And we've all done it. We've all decided to go against God. And what happened is we want our freedom. We don't want to live holy. We don't want to live sanctified, set apart. We don't. We want to do what we want. We want this Santa Claus God. We don't want the real God. So I'm going to create a grace-filled God, a, 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 a jolly-go-lucky God. I'm going to create this false God so I can give clearance to my own sins, so I can do whatever I want to do. And God says, okay. Go the way you want to go because God knows some routes have dead ends where you're forced to make a U-turn. The enemy wants you to leave God and go as far as you can and waste your inheritance, waste your creativity, waste your energy, waste your purity, waste your dignity, waste your value. Do you know what you were inherently given? When Christ died, we received an inheritance. When Christ rose, he valued an inheritance. He gave us life, a connection, a sense of purpose. He gave us grace and he even gave us freedom. From that moment, many believers and many people have been mismanaging that inheritance. They have squandered their creativity, given their musical talents, their athletic talents, their intellectual talents over to the world. They have been allowing people to drain them dry. Instead of eating filet mignon in their father's house, they're eating rubbish from pig pens. And God is saying, and it's crazy, many people are eating, they think they're eating good, but it's gold-plated, it's gold-plated, overly seasoned dung. And God is saying, where are you going to come back? When are you going to come back home? When are you going to realize that sin cannot sustain you? The beautiful thing about this story was when the son came back to the father, the father wasn't upset. It is so sad that it's the other sons. Hear me. That's why the Bible talks, these are prodigal sons. Like, it is sad that the other sons, remember the son that was jealous, got upset? When a younger son came on, that hinders the weaker son, per se, from being free. It, most people, the reason why they are where they are, the reason why they're giving the world their talents is because the church is judgmental. The, the world, the church, some churches, I can't say the church at large, there are certain church groups or communities, the other sons that see when God just accepts the son and don't really whatever, whatever, now they mad. Now they try to get the person out so they can get the fatted calf themselves. But I am so thankful. Oh, sorry. 
And that's what's keeping people from coming back to their father because God, God's other children is trying to guard that presence. Like, remember the, the coin, the, the tables in front of the uh, the temple? Jesus turned them table like, yo, you keeping, you keeping my people from really worshiping. You a hindrance. <clears throat> but I am so thankful that our Heavenly Father loves us and welcomes us back to his place of freedom and enables us to forsake Satan's perverted freedom. When a prodigal son came back home, they killed a fatted calf. They prepared a meal. And God says, when you come back to his place of freedom, you will be freed indeed. And that everything that you have done will be forgotten, <clears throat> has been forgotten. This perverted freedom that even Adam partook of placed them into slavery. Anything or anyone outside of God leads to slavery. That's why his presence is important because in his presence, there is salvation from slavery. The last scripture I want to leave you with. I hope you guys are learning so much. We're going to be talking about this is just the beginning of a long, long journey of us understanding how um, to untie soul ties and up your stronghold. That's just the first few pages. So if you want to keep joining, get the book now and join us because we're going to be going page by page. There's activities in there. But let's go to John 8, 31 to 38, and I'm done. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Right? If you abide in my word, abide immersed in, in my word, you will prove to be my true disciples. Right? And you will know the truth. Excuse me, and the truth will set you free. Key word in that sentence is if. If you abide, you have a choice. You can either abide in the world or you can abide in the word. It's your choice. Everything boils down to you. God ain't going to make you do nothing. God ain't going to force you to do nothing. He is not going to make you do anything. It is your choice. It says if, if you abide in me, if you make the choice to forsake everything left, to abide in me going the right way, in my word, you are truly my disciples, and, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So many people don't want to be free. That's why they don't want to read the truth, because if I read the truth, then I will look like an immature brat who just wants to do what they want to do. That's why they want to hear the truth. That's why they want to heap for themselves teachers to teach them uh, uh, what's false, because they don't want to hear the truth. If I hear the truth, I'm convicted. If I hear the truth, I have to change. But no, 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 no. If I stay away from where the truth is taught, if I stay away from truth, I don't read his word. Oh, I didn't see. If I don't see, I don't have to change. If I don't see it, I don't have to change it. If I don't have to see it. So what they do is I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to do that because if I, because there's something about seeing truth. Truth requires a decision. Truth, no matter where it is, truth requires you to make a decision. Either you're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to do right or I'm going to do wrong. But either way, the truth. But most people don't want to be set free because they know I, I want to keep living a lie. I want to keep living a lie. It says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him. The Jews like, yo, but we are the offsprings of Abraham and I've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Woo! The slave, those who are enslaved to sin can't be in my house forever. But those who are sons indeed will. So if the son sets you free, he's talking about himself. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The first Adam was a slave. 
The first Adam was a son that became a slave. The second Adam was a slave that was that was a son. He, he left his throne to serve us so that we can be set free and you will be free indeed. I know that you are offsprings of Abraham. I know, man, you don't got to tell me I was there before I was there. I created Abraham. Before Abraham was, I was. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you see of your father. Let me read. Um, there's a, I broke that scripture down in the book and I'm out your way. Let me make sure I find it. Hope you guys learned something. Uh, let me see if I can find it. <clears throat> page. Ah, page 24 and page 25. I'm going to read this real quickly. Page 24. I'm so glad it's blessing you all. Page 24 and 25. It says, here are some points. The word of God leads to freedom. You have to take him at his word. If he is true, then his words are true. Adhering to his word leads to discipline, which proves we are his disciples. And the longer we remain in him, the more we will know the truth. The more we abide in him, the more the Holy Spirit will lead you from truth to truth. He, God, Jesus is the truth and he'll set you free. But there are truths in our heart. There's things in our hearts that needs truth. The truth about marriage, the truth about sex, the truth about love, the truth about money, the truth about time, the truth about prosperity, the truth about discipline, the truth about maturity, the truth about grace, the truth about righteousness. There's multiple truths that, that, that has been locked up, not truths, but a lot of things have been locked up inside of us that needs the truth to set it free. And everyone who allows the truth to take reign, that truth will set them free in that area. What area in your life have you yet to allow truth to enter in? I want God to reveal the truth in every way in my life because I want the truth. To, I want to be completely free. I don't want to leave any area in my life where there is no truth. When you allow truth to enter, you will be set free. That truth is a capital T because that truth is a person. When you accept him as a truth, the answer to everything will follow and you will truly be free. Not only free indeed, as far as really being free, but free in your deeds, meaning in action. Free indeed. Not only will I be free indeed, like I'm free free, but I'm free in my deeds. Like I'm free to do the deeds righteously and to do it right. Meaning you will be free to do things the right way and freed from doing things wrongly. Many people are bound because they either don't know the truth or they know the truth, but ignore it. Do you know the truth or are you ignoring him? Don't boast of any sort of freedom outside of Jesus. Next part. Verse 33 says, they begin to talk as if Abraham was the one who set them free. <laughs> Abraham, your mom, your dad, and your accomplishment are not your source of freedom. Anything outside of Jesus can lead to bondage. Jesus answered their request by saying, whoever practices sin will remain a slave to that sin. He also said that the truth will always remain, not those that are enslaved to sin, meaning that he will last forever. And he begins to say, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Meaning if you allow him to set you free, you will be free forever. Let me read this last paragraph. This book is designed to help you understand the process of freedom. Today, if you have accepted Christ, you are free, but freedom is also your responsibility. God created Eden, a place for his people to be free. Once the people acted against God, their freedom was even more restricted. But because of what Christ did on the cross, we now have access to that place again. 
that presence again. We no longer have to hear stories that the Holy Spirit came upon this person or that person, but now the Holy Spirit is within us all who are saved and his presence is not just external, but his presence internal. And we now have access to this freedom. Are you ready to be free today? If so, turn the page, get your book today, turn the page. And next week, we're going to be talking about the next chapter. Next week, page 26, chapter 2. I don't know if you can see that. Chapter 2. What are soul ties and strongholds? Next week, <clears throat> we're going to go to the fundamental floor of what is a soul tie and stronghold. And we're going to be talking about the different types of tie, healthy tie versus unhealthy soul tie. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Not all to next week, but we're going to talk um, a little bit more there. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you want to keep joining us, um, once this video posts, you can use this video over and over again with the book, with the stuff that we read, and but read it with the Spirit of God, you, the Bible, of course, and utilize this as a supplemental piece to kind of help you understand certain things. Um, if you're listening on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and you like Amazon has to, yeah, it's on Amazon, it's on Amazon. So Amazon, I think like $13 or so, get the book, um, <clears throat> and let's grow together. Um, if you're listening somewhere else, you're like, man, where can I get it? You can get it on Amazon by simply, uh, you didn't catch the name, The Purpose of Freedom. It looks like this, The Purpose of Freedom. I have six books on the webs on my on Amazon. It's The Purpose of Freedom. The Purpose of Freedom. We are freed from sin, freed for a purpose. Uh, you're welcome, guys. Um, I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> I'm going to send you home. Well, you're already at home. I'm going to just let you go and spend time with God. The best time to grow in faith is to capitalize when your faith has been stirred. When your faith has been stirred, that's the best time to capitalize on that because your faith has been stirred. Now you got to capitalize on that by engaging in the word, engage with the spirit. Close Once you close the laptop, once you cut the phone off, go into a silent place and talk to God and say, God, help me to understand what was said. Help me chew the meat, spit out the bone. Help me to understand and process so I can grow from it. And pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for my brother and sister that's starting this journey with me. I thank you, Father God, for your love for them. I, I thank you for being the truth that sets them free. And I thank you, Father God, that their faith has been stirred to increase their faithfulness with you and to engage in a relational relationship with you where they're able to commune with you and grow in you. And I thank you, Father God, that what you did through your son gave us access to Eden again, gave us access to you as our presence. Help us to stay connected. Help us to stay focused because we have a purpose to fulfill. And right now, through the authority that's been given to me, I come against every demonic spirit that's coming against my brother or sister, discouraging them. I pray right now. Uh, against your attack, your onslaught against them, your weapons that are formed against them will not prosper in Jesus' name. I command to loose their mind, loose their heart, and, uh, and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfect work in their life. And Father, I turn my attention back to you, thanking you for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom and your insight and me uh, being used for your glory. I pray that everything was I said was God breathed. And I thank you, Father God, for uh, for utilizing me to write this book to impact so many people. I thank you for them. Just let me pray, man. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. See you guys next Thursday at 730. Um, join me in the community tab. I'm going to post a question once this is over to see what you guys got from this. I want to see from you all, what did you get from this video? And I want you to comment. I want you to engage with me. I want you to tell me what you got from it, what you plan on doing. Um, um, contribute to the conversation. I'll see you over in the community tab once this is over. Love you guys. Be blessed. See you guys next Thursday at 7.30. Let your friends and family know and let's grow together. Also, 
when a video posts there's links in the description box below links for the books links to give links to get involved links to get me out to your city or whatever um Love you guys. Y'all be blessing. That's it. Card games. There's a card game. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta buy a new deck. I think I get those deck away. Card game that goes with this book called Memory Muscle. You can get it at azgames.com. If you want to know anything, any and everything about what I do, simply go to my website, I am unplugged.com. I'll type it in right here for you. I am unplugged.com. And that's you'll learn everything about me. <clears throat> Um, love you guys. Y'all have a blessed one. Stay with God, yo. Stay focused, stay sharp, stay faithful. Peace. Love you all.